When I talk to property investors, they often tell me using debt is a key advantage over other asset classes. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rask Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rask AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Karen, welcome back onto the Australian Finance Podcast. Hi, Kate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, if listeners haven't already tuned into our previous episode we aired recently, which was all about unpacking your money mindset and making positive changes once you know what your strengths and weaknesses are. I'd highly recommend starting there because we might touch on some of that in today's episode. But to start with the most sort of complex, scary sounding question, Carrie, what is financial intimacy? Oh, sounds saucy, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so financial intimacy is where you feel safe, secure and supported financially in your relationship. And I'm not saying financial support in terms of a money way, but it's about that you're respecting each other's financial goals um, and values and you're, um, you've, it's, it's a safe space for talking about money. Because for most of us, money can be a really explosive topic. And so creating financial intimacy is where you feel safe, that you're not going to feel judged. There's a lot of support and compassion around your financial aspirations, but also your financial fears. If you haven't thought about this concept before, and I'm not sure that many of us have, how would you start to create that safe environment within your relationship if you haven't spoken about money before? I think, um, so if we think about our relationship, there's lots of different levels of intimacy. So we obviously have the one that most of us think of, that physical intimacy. Then we have that other shared um, 
shared hobbies and, and interests and we create intimacy through that. It's about understanding each other so that you create a closer bond. So when it comes to that financial literacy, it's about un understanding each other from a financial perspective in terms of what was money like for you growing up um, and how has that impacted the way that you are today and actually understanding how that came to be for your partner, I think, can create that closer bond um, with each other as part of that relationship. And because when we don't have financial intimacy, Kate, it can erode other parts of intimacy within a relationship. And if we think about, um, there's lots of statistics that show that um, challenges with money is the second reason for marriage separation or for couples to split up, the second cause of relationship breakdown, with the first being infidelity. Just, you know, they're both pretty serious. So I think it's really important for a couple to be able to have these healthy communications and feel safe talking about money. Now we've set the scene. You're someone that talks to individuals and couples on a daily basis about their roadblocks and challenges with money and maybe how to get unstuck. What are some of the most common things that you see that individuals and couples, whether they come solo or together, are facing when it comes to money and getting on the same page? So I think um, there's a couple of common ones um, that I tend to see and um, that might be one about differences in how money should be used, so how it should be spent. And so some it might be that well, we don't spend much money at all, we, we want to save it. And then others might be both on board, yeah, we're both spenders, but they want to spend it on different things. So one might be more about material items and spending money on those things, whereas the other person might be more about um, experiences and holidays and things like that. So it's differences around um, the way that they want to spend money. Or it might be differences around their level of risk that they want to take. So one partner might be, I want to keep all my money in cash and term deposits and safe because that's what I know, that's what safety is. Whereas for the other partner, it might be, in order for us to get ahead, we need to take some risk. We need to invest in those growth assets. Um, and then other challenges people have around money is that financial responsibility. So who is the one tasked with all of the financial chores or tasks, let's call it. So making sure the bills are paid on time, allocating money, um, looking at superannuation, looking at all of the insurance policies and wealth protection. Like sometimes um, one person will abdicate all of that responsibility and leave it to one other person to do. So I think just not having an equal distribution of what needs to be done in terms of finances for a household or relationship. And then the last one is that financial infidelity or kind of keeping money secrets. And that might be around um, racking up debt or might even be coming into a relationship and not disclosing certain debts or financial situations. Or it could be those sneaky little purchases that we leave in the boot of the car because if I bring in another pair of shoes, I'm going to get judged or criticised about that. So we kind of keep those. Um, and then others have secret bank accounts, just kind of have those safety. So it's, it's those, um, those keeping secrets from each other. Mm. Do you see that the keeping secrets is probably one of the most harmful challenges within that list? Uh, not necessarily. Um, so if, if you've got someone that is a spender and someone that's a saver, I think that causes um, 
a lot of challenges as well. Um, I was working with a couple yesterday, actually. That's why it's kind of in my brush in my brain. And um, they both earn similar money. She probably earns a little bit more than he does. And he's a bit of a spender. So it's kind of like spending here. And, and she's very vigilant when it comes to she's She's one of those people that's got all the responsibility of managing the household finances, so taking care of the mortgage. And she's got certain goals and she's really kind of on track with this is what I want to do. And we want to pay off the home in 10 years, et cetera, et cetera. So she goes without a lot herself. So there's things that she'd like to buy, but she's like, it's more important that we pay down the mortgage and we put away for our kids' education. So I asked her the question of when your husband's like just spending money willy-nilly and how does that make you feel? And she goes, oh, you know, like, you know, she's kind of like shrugging her shoulders. I go, no, really, you can be honest with me. It's just you and I now. Um, how do you feel? And it's like, I get really annoyed. I get really resentful. So those secrets, it could be a secret, it could not be a secret, those emotions that can build up over time, year after year, can be very strong and very harmful for a relationship. How do you see couples managing, like in a positive way, if they do have a big tension between how much should be spent and enjoyed today versus how much should be saved or invested for the future? Well, I think when we're having conversations about money, money conversations are always a value conversation. So I think it's really important to understand as an individual, what are your values? So someone might value freedom and flexibility or adventure and um, life experiences. And the other person may value security. And there's a very big difference between security and freedom and flexibility. Mm. And so it's about one, understanding, well, what are your values? What's really important to you? And then also understanding what are your partners? And sometimes you'll have shared values and other times you'll have conflicting ones. And it's about having respect and compassion for each other's values as well as working, how can we create some financial harmony here that there's some balance between the two? Yeah, I know we were talking off air and it really fascinated me about that idea between those lived values. So what are your values right now, whether it's something you're actively aware of or it's showing in your bank statements or through your behaviours versus what are those values that you want to have in the future? And maybe you're spending on them, but you're not quite living them right now. Yeah. So, um, Kate, when I work with clients, one of the, the biggest things I want them to uncover for themselves is what is your top five values? So I get them to do a values exercise. You can go onto Google and type in list of values and it'll come up with a hundred different values. So you can go through there and spend a few minutes kind of having a look at, well, what ones kind of resonate with you? And then you want to narrow that list down to 10 values and then just focus on five values. And those values might be something around financial freedom or it could be health and vitality or it could be adventure. And so just understanding what your values are. And then when you, what you want to do is a reality check as to, well, what are my lived values? And the one way you can work out your lived values is we tend to spend our time, our money and our resources on what we value because it makes us feel good. So go and download your bank transaction history. And I might have clients that say, yeah, I value health and vitality, but I'm not seeing any gym membership fees coming out. Um, or what I am seeing is Netflix, um, five different streaming services, Uber Eats. And so what I see here is your live values aren't health and vitality. It is more around comfort. And so it's about kind of doing um, a bit of a reality check around these are my aspirational values, but what are my actual live values? What's the gap between there? 
And then when you're conscious of that, you can start to be aware of, okay, if one of my values is financial freedom, then you just ask yourself at the start of every day, how can I live my value of financial freedom? And so it might be about, okay, I'm not going to spend as much on something on my lunch today because I'm going to put some money away for my financial freedom that I can later invest. Or it might be it's health and vitality. So I'm going to go for a run today or I'm going to go for a walk or get out in nature. So it's about really being intentional every day about how can I live this value? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And often when there's that, there's a big gap between the values you're living today and the values you actually want to live by your ideal self or your future self, you can often feel a bit resentful about your money or your job or your income. And you don't feel like you're getting that much value out of what you're spending on. You can get to the end of the week and go, I didn't actually get much happiness from my money at all. Yeah, that's right. And I think then it's when you know what your five values are, how can you experience those values without financial consequences? So one value that I see quite often is um, personal growth and education. People want that. So you've got two choices there, Kate. You can go to the shop and buy a book or download a book and pay for it, or you can go to your local library or research some free eBooks. So you can still experience that same value of education and personal growth. One has financial consequences, one doesn't. So it's about when you identify what your values are and perhaps your cash flow doesn't allow you to spend a lot of money on that, but what are the other ways that you can experience that value? And I think having those value conversations with your partner, how can I help you live those values that you want? How can we find money in our cash flow that you can have those? Or if the money's not there, how can you still live that value without financial consequences to it? There's always ways. Yeah, I think that's really interesting and just sort of focusing on how we both can support each other's values, not just Mm. focusing what do I want, but also what does the other person want and what do we both want together and so that everyone's getting considered in this conversation. Mm. I think it's important to have your own individual values but also have relationship or maybe family if you've got children. Um, I talk to my kids, like um, if you ask my kids what are our family values, they could tell you because we talk about them and we use our values as decision-making tools. Mm. So um, is that aligned with our values? Should we spend it there? So rather than saying, no, we don't have money for that this month, it's like, no, um, our values are allocating towards this this month. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool idea to do it with the family. I, I haven't got that to try but if any listeners have tried a values exercise with their family I feel like you should um write in let us know how it goes I'd be really interested to read about that but Karen now that we know some of those common roadblocks that happen when we're trying to talk about money in a relationship and we've thought a bit more about our values what are some other things we should look at if we want to start having a really strong financial foundation in our relationship? So I think one of those biggest ones is what we talked about in the first part episode. It's about understanding your money story. What did you experience growing up in childhood that's impacted the way that you are with money? So impact your values. You also want to understand what are your financial fears? So we all have financial fears that came from our childhood and it's about understanding and identifying what yours are and also what your partner's fears are. So when I was talking about that couple before, the one that had all of the financial responsibility, her biggest fear was having no money at retirement. 
And so she was so hypervigilant about putting money away, about putting money into her super, about paying off the mortgage so that she could have a comfortable retirement because her biggest fear was fear of running out of money or being broke when she was older. Mm. And so our fears are really big motivators. So understanding what our partner's fears are really important and that that takes a lot of vulnerability to actually admit, hey, I'm scared about this. And it could be a conversation around um, it might show up as being um, really condescending or judgmental. It's like, oh, you bought another gadget or like another tech toy to play with. And we kind of had a lot of judgment around that. But for that other person, you're, um, you're pushing on one of their fears. Mm-hmm. And one of their fears is around we need money for the future and you're playing on these things. So it's, it's always coming from a place of curiosity rather than judgment. So rather than kind of like judging the other person, it's kind of like, well, from curiosity and compassion, I'm really curious, like, why is it that, what's the reason that you buy that? What is the reason that you do that with money? Um, So we can have a bit more understanding and compassion for our partner and also for ourselves. Mm. And coming at it with curiosity is so important and not sort of bringing all of your values into the statements you're making and the questions you're asking. And are there any sort of tips for having these conversations like what what type of environment should we be in is there a particular should we do it on a weekend should we do it in the evening yeah Kate I'm a big fan of money dates so it's about setting a time a sacred time that's just focus on um, looking at our money and you know if you think about it like over a course of a year there's lots of different money tasks that need to be taken care of so you can break them up and maybe do once one a month or one every second month but i think for when you're dealing in a couple and one of them kind of doesn't take a lot of the responsibility or doesn't have a lot of the knowledge or doesn't have a lot of confidence when it comes to money and kind of leaves it to the other person, I think it's really important that they still have an awareness and understanding and feel like they know what's going on. So being able to schedule in money dates and even if you kind of give the other person or when you decide, well, okay, we're going to have a money date in two weeks' time and almost have a bit of an agenda for it so each person can come prepared for it and so they feel like they're better equipped to have those conversations because those conversations can be challenging for a variety of different reasons. So we want to create an environment that's really conducive to being productive and supportive and compassionate. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What if you find out that you do have some conflicting money goals and you someone really wants to go to a, go to Europe this year and the other person really wants to add more money to superannuation for retirement? So I'm a very big fan of autonomy. I think it's important that everyone gets to do a bit of what they want to do as well and have their their needs and wants met. So then it comes down to 
um, you've got all of your fixed costs and your financial liabilities and then you look at the cash flow and then what's left over then it's about allocating an equal amount or whatever you determine is the right amount that it's just your discretionary money so you get all the autonomy over that you don't have anyone it's guilt-free spending on whatever you choose and I do see it quite often so one person will just spend it on all the fun stuff or holidays and the other person their way that they feel joy and feel um, aligned to their values is that security so they're just going to put it away and they're just going to create a safety net for it and that's completely fine but each person gets a say in terms of the way that discretionary money spent and there's no judgment for it it's just I've got my money you've got your money um, and and it's all agreed to I think so to being able to have that is really really important yeah I think that's interesting as well because we often get questions from listeners asking how do I get my partner involved in the financial picture? They're not particularly interested. Maybe they don't know that much about investing yet. And I'm really excited. I've taken the first few steps on my journey and I really want to bring them along with me. Do you have any suggestions there if you haven't had these conversations before, but one person's very keen and the other person maybe isn't as much or just doesn't know as much right now? Yeah. So... Um, as we spoke about in the last episode, we all have certain patterns and behaviours and one of those patterns can be avoidance or um, putting responsibility onto someone else and just not wanting to take responsibility themselves. There's always a reason why, Kate. So it's about, again, having that curiosity and compassion for the other person. I'm just saying, hey, I'm really curious um, to understand the reason why you kind of don't want to get involved in the finances. And it might be that they don't have access to that straight away. It's like, I just don't know. I just feel yucky about it. And so then give them space rather than pushing on. Say, well, I'm just going to let you reflect on that question and I'd love if we could catch up like maybe tomorrow or next week. And after you've had time to really consider, really deeply unpack what is the reason that um, you don't want to manage the money or the reason that you don't want to invest because I'm really curious and I'd like to understand and I'd like to support you with that so we can grow together it's a very different conversation yeah no and then what about creating shared goals the more sort of exciting and coming together you know your values now you've talked about your fears but creating that shared vision for the future and goals that you're both excited to work towards I think that is a really important thing. So you've got your own individual goals, um, but you've got goals as a couple. And that might be around having a family one day or going on holidays or buying a home or um, buying an investment property. It's about having those goals that you can work towards together as a team. I think it's really, really important. And that, again, it's just one of those things that creates that financial intimacy. It's something that you're growing and developing together as a couple. If the topic of money is quite new and you're just sort of having these conversations for the first time, are there any other prompts that would be sort of helpful to think about um, on your first money date or second money date? Yeah, so I do actually have um, an ebook. So how to talk to your partner about money so they actually listen. Um, and so I've got all these prompters in there um, and kind of break it up into different things. So you might have one theme of cash flow and spending plans and budgeting. You might have one around investing. You might have one around insurances. So just kind of break it up. And I think it's really important 
in a relationship that all of those tasks and responsibilities are, um, are equally shared or people are working to their strengths. So some people are going to be really excited about investing, whereas the other person is more excited about managing the day-to-day -day cash flow. Um, I think when we come into relationships, when we don't talk about it, we just take on these implied roles, but we never actually ask each other, oh, actually, are you okay with paying the bills or are you okay with kind of looking after the retirement planning part of things? Um, we just kind of fall into those roles um, and we may or may not like them. So it's about having a conversation. Well, if we've got all of these things that need to be done when it comes to managing our money, which ones would you like to focus on? And if you don't have the skills and resources or knowledge, how can I support you so you feel more confident managing those things yeah so thinking about dividing and conquer but actually having a discussion about it and figuring out well who's stronger at different aspects or more interested or who wants to learn um and more about having those conversations and how often do you recommend having money check-ins or money dates together i think it depends on the couple so some are going to be um kind of more interested in doing it on a regular basis and that might be once a month and I get um, you know I've been through that stage too when you've got young kids and you're kind of just trying to survive every day so having a money date or getting a babysitter because I think it's really important that it's just the two of you having that and it's uninterrupted time so if you've got kids running around the house and um, someone's got a dirty nappy or it's feeding time it's not ideal you want to really have focused time so it really is going to come down to each relationship and the couple but um, I think at least quarterly is a really good thing even if it's just a check-in for half an hour to kind of say well let's just kind of have a look with the bank accounts where are we kind of sitting are we on track from our goals what's happened that's kind of caused us to kind of step backwards how do we need to kind of change things or alter things so i think quarterly can be really good um but monthly and we want to make it fun we don't want to make these things really drudgy kind of like just think of it like date night it's kind of how can we make it just more fun and interesting and it might be that you get takeaway or have a glass of wine or um go for a walk afterwards or how can you kind of like make it fun and enjoyable rather than just the money stuff yeah, I think that's important as well because often the, the money stuff can feel a bit mundane or scary or boring. And so if you can add some excitement and some fun and think about your shared vision for the future together, I think that's really important. Were there any other strategies that you think are, are really relevant when it comes to money and relationships? Um, I think understanding your financial fears and their financial fears being... Um, always coming from that compassion and support rather than the judgment. Um, understanding what it was like for each other growing up and why they do what they do with money and just coming from a really supportive stance because for a lot of people, we weren't taught how to manage money in school and if our parents didn't model it well, we can be in our 20s and 30s and 40s and just feel kind of a little bit naive or um, don't feel like we've got the financial knowledge. And sometimes that can be hard to admit. So it's about creating that environment where, hey, it's okay to ask questions and can I get your help with this or can you help me understand this a bit better so I don't feel so silly around that. I just want to be really caring and compassionate like we would be in other areas of our relationship. Money's no different. 
Yeah, I think that's a really important reminder. And in the last episode, we talked about the the eight money types and how they relate to you and your own strengths and weaknesses and the quiz that's available on your website. But is that something that would be helpful to get your partner to do? And then how do you take that information and look at how the two of your money types interact? Yeah, look, I think using the eight money types and the different patterns and behaviours is um, more valuable for partners than it is for kind of your own. Like it's, it's very important to understand your own individual ones. But when you can identify what your partners are, I think it's really valuable because then what you're doing is so there's the eight different money types and all have different strengths or weaknesses and challenges and things that they need to overcome in their financial life. So if you can identify that, oh, okay, um, my partner's a bit of a fool, um, but I'm a bit of an innocent or I've got a strong warrior or maybe I'm a bit of a tyrant, I'm overvigilant and really controlling around money. So then you can have conversations with each other once you know each other's money types rather than saying, I wish you wouldn't do that. You can kind of say, oh, like your fool wants to come out and play today, don't they? So we can kind of use the, the money types and have conversations with their money type rather than making it personal about them because the thing about those money types is they're not who we are they're just where we are in our journey and as we're trying to transform and evolve and grow as individuals um actually talking to the money types and having it as that rather than the person I think can take a lot of the pressure away and you can kind of have a bit of fun with it as well I can see Um, this being a date night yeah, totally a date night. Yeah, date night number one, find out your money types and have conversations with each other around them. Yeah, no, I see that as a, a good starting board because especially a lot of people coming to these conversations might not have the the language to talk about money if they have never had these discussions before. And so doing something like this where it's a bit of fun but it also puts words to some of the, the behaviours and the, the characteristics of what you're doing with money might be a really helpful starting point. Oh, absolutely. And um, what you said just reminded me of sometimes we don't have that language. And I'm a very keen observer of language. What are the words people are using to describe themselves around money, about money themselves, about wealth? Our language tells us a lot about our beliefs around that. And um, another important thing to understand is when we talked in the last episode how emotions come up and how they play a really important role in money so another exercise that the two of you can do after you've worked out what your values are you can download this thing on the internet or just google it's called an emotion wheel and it's basically this wheel that goes through a hundred different emotions and you can kind of pick out well When you do that with money, that makes me feel. And so you can kind of like articulate, it makes me feel frustrated or it makes me feel really happy and grateful that you can do that. Um, So to be able to articulate and identify what are your emotions that are connected with money and how are they have some positive ones and how they also have some challenging ones. Yeah, I hadn't ever thought of it that way because often we just say I'm angry or I'm happy, but having an emotion wheel with a hundred emotions will probably narrow down on things a lot more than you can sort of get from the tip of your tongue. Yeah, that's right. Um, Brene Brown, her latest book, it's called Atlas of the Heart. And I can't remember if it's 50 or 70, but she breaks down 50 uh, different emotions um, and in so much detail. And you really get to the heart of um 
what those different emotions are and how they interact and, and how they were formed. It, it's a fascinating book. I think she also did like a Netflix series over a couple of like episodes. Of, yeah, it's called The Atlas of the Heart. Um, my partner and I watched it and we were kind of like, wow, like it, it gave us a lot more language and words to articulate how we were feeling because sometimes it's hard to actually label that. And then for the other person to understand as well. Yeah, and, and frustrated is quite a different response to money than angry or disappointed. And so being able to label that probably helps mm. you problem solve and express yourself better in a partnership. Oh, absolutely. I can't tell how much using the language of um, of those emotions can be really helpful. I think another really um important thing in couples to understand is the five love languages so are you familiar with those five love languages i've heard of them in the past i didn't know how uh, much backs that up or if it's just something a, a fun activity to do no it's um it's very much um a psychologist came up with and a relationship therapist like very well um well regarded ones and so there's basically five lang love languages and so these love languages are the way that we like to receive love. So let me try and see if I can remember them all. So one of them is acts of service. So if someone does something for me, I kind of feel really loved. Like, it's like if you take the garbage bins out tonight when it was my turn, like, oh my goodness, that's just, I love that. <laughs> or if you unstack the dishwasher tonight, it's like, oh my God, thank you so much. So acts of service. The next one is um, words of appreciation saying, hey, Kate, I really appreciate how you did that, um, that you took care of that. Um, we say thank you for doing that. Just um, The next one is physical touch. So that is kind of more of that, that physical love and intimacy. Another one is um, gifts. So being bought a present um, might be your love language. I've missed one. I always miss one, Kate. We've <laughs> got um, quality time. service. Sorry? Quality time. Yes, bingo. Quality time just really carving out some time as it's like, this is just me. So one thing for the couple is to understand what are your two main love languages? So I've shared mine's <laughs> um, acts of service um, and quality time. Whereas years ago, mine was presents. Like if you just buy me presents, like, oh, my goodness, like I just feel so loved. So, um, so find out what yours are and then find out what your partners are. Because here's the trap. So if mine's if mine is um, acts of service, so then with my partner, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this really nice thing. I'm going to get his car cleaned so it's all clean when he gets in his car. Um, but his main love language is um, physical touch. So all he wants from me is like a hug or a kiss or something. Um, but I don't give him that as his love language. Then he's not going to feel loved. So it's about understanding what the other person's is. And when you want to give love, you give it in their way, not in the way that you like it to be received. Mm. And so they yeah. have financial consequences as well. Yeah. How do you see that applying, like, in practical sense with clients? How, how have understanding this better helped? So um, it, I think having that awareness because, um, like, you might have a couple where... Um, Oh, I see this one all the time, actually. Men go like, oh, 
I just buy their partner jewelry or buy them a necklace or something. And then the person it's receiving. very old school, doesn't it? I know. I know. But I, I have don't know. Like, like, yeah, it? No, it, it still know, happens in the 2020s. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I'll just buy them a little trinket or a bracelet or a necklace. And then she's telling me, it's like, oh, I don't even like jewelry. Like, I'd much rather just go out for dinner or for holiday or something. Like, he's wasted all this money on buying me flowers or jewelry, and I don't even appreciate it. So, oh, I see these love languages getting played out all the time. And this poor other person thinks, oh, they're doing the right thing. And it's kind of like, they're kind of like shrugging, going, I can't do anything right. But it's about understanding what does the other person want and need. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. Well, you've given us quite a few different activities to try. We've got the, um, what, knowing each Take other's funny story. Yeah. Um, and sort of coming together on that. There's the eight money types quiz you mentioned, the emotion wheel, and then sort of mm-hmm. using that to better label terms and also the love languages. I'm guessing that's a quiz online too. Yeah, there is. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's um, Gottman, Gottman Research. I think you can go on there and, and find um And, yeah, you can you just take it online. So you can, maybe that's one money day. You both just sit there and take the quiz and kind of unpack. And it's like, well, these are the ways that you can show me love that I like to receive love. Um, and I think that just the one other important thing is um, exploring what your own financial fears are. What are the things that you are most afraid of when it comes to money? And then... Um, being able to express those to your partner so they can understand and support you with those fears. Yeah, well, there's a lot to get through. So I guess uh, as long as people take one of these activities away Absolutely. and give them a shot. Yep. Choose your own adventure, pick one, and yeah. start from there. Karen has given you lots of different choices. Well, is there anything else you wanted to share before we wrap today's conversation up, Karen? I, I really just want to leave everyone with... Um, we were talking earlier, like off about, um, we're talking about people, um, oh, that's a waste of money or don't spend it. You know, we can be very critical around how money's spent or how money's used. I think it's really important that um, we have a lot of compassion and understanding. So rather than coming from a place of judgment, we come from curiosity and compassion and, and love. Like we met our partners, um, we were attracted to them for certain reasons and we just always want to go back to that. And um, sometimes we can kind of lose our path, especially on the financial side of things, but um, just really wanting to put time and invest time and understanding to make that relationship stronger and more healthier and having communication is key like just being able to articulate what's going on inside for yourself and sharing that with your partner. In terms of the the last thing I want to share is around, I think it's really important that um, because it can be challenging to talk about money, that we have these conversations and address it sooner rather than later. So there's statistics to show that within a relationship when there's challenges around money, a couple will wait seven years before they actually address it. And that seven years is a really long time to kind of put up with things or have that resentment or that guilt or that frustration or that avoidance. So to be able to address these concerns earlier in a relationship, it's going to result in a much better outcome than leaving it sometimes to perhaps it's too late and that resentment and those emotions have built up over so much time, like we said at the earlier part of the episode. Money challenges and conflicts are the second biggest um, cause of 
relationship breakdown. So it's about addressing these things earlier rather than later and just kind of putting up with them. I love that. Neither person is perfect and fully complete when it comes to money and you're just sort of figuring it out together and working out what what works for the both of you. So Karen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I've included links to all of your socials and your website where people can access the quiz in the show notes. But just a huge thank you for both of these two episodes. I think it'll be a great resource for people. Oh, thanks for having me, Kate. It's my absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.